Hello, and welcome to the 16th episode of About IBD. I'm your host, Amber Tresca. You can find me all over the interwebs as About IBD, and especially at VeryWell.com, where you can find my entire corpus on IBD. My guest is Christy Stone of Crony Baloney. Christy's been on quite a journey with her IBD, and she will explain it all to you. But the meat of this episode is talking about retaining our kindness. When situations crop up, as they do with IBD, that make us pretty irritable. Christy has a unique way of looking at the world and at situations with her IBD, despite what she might say. You'll see what I'm talking about from the very first question I ask her. Without further ado, please enjoy Christy Stone, otherwise known as Crony Baloney. Christy Stone, Crony Baloney. Hi, we're in Vegas. What? (laughs) The sightseeing is so good here. (laughs) It's really the people watching is insane. And these hotels are so big. Well, the one that we've been in, it's so big that just to get anywhere is a little bit of a challenge. A maze. It's a maze. Yeah. Yeah. Even though they gave us a map. (laughs) (laughs) anyway um i wonder if you would um give us if you have a practiced elevator speech do you have one that you use typically i don't and so this will be feel fumbly and that's okay yeah well and i don't because when i talk to people i talk to people about where they're at and it's almost very rarely about me okay. and I prefer that mm-hmm. and I will nod with you and agree mm-hmm. with you and where possible I will say yes I've been there too but the more I can make it about them being heard mm-hmm. the better it goes because they're not there to listen to me. They're talking to me because they need help. Well, most people are talkers and not listeners. <laughs> and they look, and I'm a listener. <laughs> I can listener. talk. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's why. Yeah. yeah. So um, let me, I'm giving you permission <laughs> to talk about yourself. Okay. And tell me where your disease journey started. Okay. And where you're ending up now so that we can move into the idea of where we want to get to, right. which is how you've coped with all of this along the way. Okay. So I grew up sick. There isn't a time really where I remember being well. And it wasn't until I was a teen and everything, things couldn't be passed off any longer as nothing that I was diagnosed when I was 15. It took that long. Um, And that was ulcerative colitis. And by the time I was 17, I had a temporary ostomy, which was amazing because I didn't know you could even live without your colon. And I was placed with a J pouch. And I had that J pouch until I was 30. And it worked fine and ish. I had 
J pouch, like pouchitis, but it worked fine. And then we had a bit of a hiccup with the uh, rectovaginal fistula after the birth of my daughter in 2005. And then about five years later, um, it got to the point where that J pouch, it continued to fail. I had lots of procedures to make it last and it was time to be done. And that's when I became a permanent ileostomate. And at the birth of my daughter, with the same time frame of you have a fistula, um, was also came the diagnosis of you also have Crohn's disease. So in that time frame, I had become a brand new mother, um, was breastfeeding, was offered this brand new drug I'd never heard of before, Remicade, and um, had choices to make. And um, that in a disease to learn about because back in the day in the land before t- time back in 1994 when you had your colon removed in a j pouch place they told you you were cured and i lived and walked around thinking it was done so the game was not over and um, we know better now i don't look back on that time thinking that that was wrong because we did the best that we could with the knowledge that we had at the time. And um, so I just keep moving forward as far as that goes. But this is where I am. Today I am considered in remission. I don't feel in remission. My MRI came out clean. My blood looks nice. Recently I haven't been feeling very good and got that rechecked and I'm low on 12 and D, which is common for people like us. And important to get those labs done. Um, But I had been in this place of urine remission and at first I didn't believe it, like, no, what? And then, especially because um, I was so used to taking my meds and I had taken them for so long but there's a time frame on those. And I overexhausted it by a couple of years. So um, I've been without medication, feeling for a time, waiting for the other shoe to drop. And um, it didn't after a while and I became lazy. And I can look back now and know that that's what happened, but at the time I didn't see that that's what was going on. I was living a little footloose and fancy free. <laughs> and I hadn't really, um, I never imagined I would have that. And I really took advantage of that in that I, it was a time frame where the only worry I had was waiting for the other shoe to drop. Mm-hmm. And then it did. And I went into my GI and I said, I don't feel good. It took a month for that emergency visit to happen. Mm-hmm. And he got me in the next day for a scope and MRI and all that. He didn't find anything wrong with me in that regard. And at that time, my blood came back fine. But I was in incredible pain. And they don't know why. Mm-hmm. And I was actually referred to my primary doctor and said, work it out with her and I was insulted because they said well 
maybe it's a lady issue. And that I, I, I even just talking about it, I get so mad because if in doubt and you're female, mm-hmm. it's because you're female. Mm-hmm. It's not because you have a thing. And in my rational mind, that makes sense. But in my, will you just thinking know that there is a body of knowledge and there is a knowledge of your body and I am telling you that this is what's going on. And if it's still happening, we haven't looked at the right thing yet. And so that's where I'm at right now. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're fine, you're fine. It was a conversation online with um, a bunch of IBD people that I love. And they were explaining some health stuff they were going through. And I went, "I'm that's me. And uh, some of those things they're describing, I've got that and worse. So they must be just sort of... sprinkling details where you know I was living those things and like they're describing me so I went and had the labs done and that's where they said oh you're not just low but you're quite low let's let's start injectables okay so and actually I wanted to pull that thread out from your story because what is very interesting to me is that you went and got those labs done Mm -hmm. And it's important for everyone with IBD, but in particular, those of us who've had surgery, to keep an eye on those vitamin B12 and vitamin D levels because they can fall. And that leads to all sorts of just little weird things that you don't put together. And unless you have a knowledgeable physician who says, oh, wait, you know, we should be checking these every so often, it might take you a while to get there. And in particular, a, a lack of vitamin B12 can lead to some side, some things that you don't want to have happen to you. Right. But what's interesting is that when you figured that out, there was a conversation, you saw yourself in uh, other advocates that you were talking to and what they were describing, you went and got it checked out found out that it was what was happening to some of us periodically was also happening to you. What was so interesting to me is that the first thing that you did was come back to the people that you were discussing it with and you thanked them profusely and told them how grateful you were that they were open about what was going on with them. Yeah. Um, we're so used to uh, not talking about how tired we are and um, how much pain we're in. And sometimes it takes people to be honest about that for you to then see it in yourself because I'm so amazing at pushing forward and put your head down and, you know, put your shoulder to the wall and keep pushing. And that's my life. I, I live it largely for others and I say that and and then also think about the things I do that I love that just happen to serve others too so it works I benefit from that and um, I you know that came on the footsteps of me being pushed aside and saying no there's nothing wrong with you right it was literally just like a month or two later and I went no I'm gonna get this done you know it was like November when I was like, ah, and then just, you know, here we are in January. Right. And they're like, oh, now we, you and I, we're, we're not 
Und not too shabby. We know that it takes a while for that to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where, where were those levels in November? Right. <laughs> I want to know. But with with everything that you've been through, your uh, lack of diagnosis for a long time, then the initial ulcerative colitis diagnosis, J pouch, which is a significant. Remind me, you had two surgeries. Yes. You had two surgeries, like me. Yeah. Um, so they placed it, and then and then they reversed. And then reversed. So the the first surgery was colectomy, lupuliostomy, mm-hmm. uh, and creation of the J pouch. Yes. And then the second surgery was then uh, closure of the lupuliostomy so that you were then using the, the J-pouch. Yes. yes. Okay, it's the same as I had. Then you had a re- uh, rectal vaginal fistula, which is not a party that anyone wants to go to. It was three months um, after her birth that I finally got that diagnosed. My doctor told me that that, that just women don't work that way. <laughs> and you know and then a failed j pouch which is not a common occurrence but your diagnosis was changed to crohn's and with fistulizing crohn's that's um a a j pouch can can fail but through all of this (laughs) you know obviously I, i haven't known you since you were you know a child so i haven't known you this whole time but in the time that i have known you Um, you're the person that is able to turn things around. I've always seen kindness from you. I've actually never seen you lose your mind. So, (laughs) and when we're traveling and we're doing these things, and especially there's always something going on at home with the kids. You have two, I have two. Usually there's, we have a moment. But I've actually never seen you have one. How is it? Is it something deep inside you? Is it is it a choice that you've made? How do you find that within yourself to always bring kindness? And I think you bring out the best in people. Like where does where does that come from for you? Well, first of all, you're making me sound way yummier or nicer than I am. You're so <laughs> yummy. So very, very early on, I had the opportunity to see what was really important. Mm -hmm. And I also don't have the time to say things I don't mean. Mm -hmm. And much of what has happened to me in my life, I had very little control over. Right. The only control I had was how kind I was to others. And so I, from the time I was a child in the hospital, I learned that the nice kid, the kid that was articulate, the kid that understood the vocabulary. I had more friends that were nurses than I did peers all through school. From that, I learned that your power comes from how kind you are and the positive things you see in others because it's so easy to do the other thing. That's so common and lazy. And how easy is it to be lazy? The only thing I have control over is how kind I am. And (laughs) I ended up in the hospital one time. Um, I got stuck in the hall. I was asked to give a stool sample. I was nice even then. (laughs) Because can you imagine that poor nurse standing there with a popsicle stick and a Dixie cup looking at my ileostomy high liquid? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Trying to figure that out. Mm -hmm. It was, I saw that it was funny and I handled it. And then 
I felt bad for them. It's, it's, it's easy. It's easy to um, be another way. But I'm not always nice. I am not. Most people get nice. And then, and I also, I have to be nice to myself. And, and when I say no, I really mean it. That's hard. And I have to rework that for myself sometimes. And what does that look like? I think that the word that I would apply to you is assertive. I think as women, sometimes it's challenging because we're so encouraged to be nice. And for lack of a better word, I'm using my air quotes, fingers, Mm -hmm. um, nice. And to not upset anyone. Right. But I would say that you are assertive when it comes to yourself, particularly when it comes to your children. Right. But you still are able to manage it because I've seen you do it. (laughs) (laughs) You are able to manage it in a way that the other person doesn't walk away feeling small or invalidated. Okay. So what you do is you bring them along on your ride Mm -hmm. and you have to paint that word picture for them. Even if you strongly disagree, you got to do it with a little bit of a wink and a smile. And I, and I have a few keywords that I use when if I say that you know something's coming, if you don't know me, you'll figure it out. And it's generally, well, <laughs> I have a list. <laughs> I have a list. Oh, the, I have a list. <laughs> <laughs> or, um, <clears throat> well, <laughs> I have to tell you, no. Right. Here's why. Right. And then you bring them along on your thought process. And when you help paint this word picture for them so they can see it with you. And when I come to these meetings or if I'm talking to someone, I, I, I try not to care. And most times I don't because I, I try not to keep track of who does what for whom. Right. Because the truth is the truth is the truth. Right. Mm-hmm. And you could be the fanciest guy in the room, but if you're wrong, you're wrong. And you can say that in a really nice way. Well, you know, I see it like this. What do you think? And then you bring them in and give them opportunity to tell you their thought process. Because maybe I'm wrong too and come to the middle. But disagreeing with people is hardest when it's your care team. You want to lead that care team. You want to be a contributor to that care team but you're also beholden to them a little bit. And how do you negotiate your own care and do it nicely? And for me, I've had a lot of experience doing that with nurses in a doctoring situation. They're the lion's share of the job. They're a team. And if one of them likes you, they're all likely gonna think you're good. And then that goes to the doctor as well, whoever's on call, if you're in. And being able to bring them along like, well, <laughs> I have to tell you, <laughs> no, right. I cannot give a stool sample in the hall because this is liquid and we're going to have a mess and we don't want that here. So you can explain it to them like right. that. So. Right. so you explain it, but you do it in a way that you're, you're taking that moment to teach and it's not in a you should already know this. Right. That's not, you know, you're putting it in a way, I'm sorry that you don't know this. Maybe I was, maybe I'm here right now to help you understand. Right. Yeah. Right. I have to be really careful 
because it's so easy to think about only myself and my experiences. And, you know, even just this weekend, I learned so much about people I already believed I knew. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so it's so easy to come across someone and be harder than you have to be um, when maybe you can do that in a different way. Right. Now, that's not to say I haven't been a dragon, and I can be. And it's really important to know how to do that, to do it positively and try to illustrate mm -hmm. what you can. And I wasn't always that way, and I'm not always that way. I mean, it's hard because it takes a lot more work. And you have to be willing to do that. Right. Well, nobody's perfect. <laughs> no. No. I'm very appreciative. I, I feel that I've learned a lot from you. I know that it probably makes you cringe. But, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the idea of reframing yep. what's happening to you or reframing a conversation that you're in the middle of and helping the other person to see your perspective and also considering that person's perspective from a new angle. I feel as though that's something that, you're, that you bring um, whenever we have to, um, whenever we take, for instance, a meeting and we're being asked for our opinions on something, as we are as patient advocates and influencers, Oftentimes, we have a lot to say, <laughs> and I've seen it be said in a way that I disagree with it being said, and I've seen it said in a way that brings everybody along to a greater understanding, you know, mm -hmm. and it's usually you is the one that's doing that. <laughs> Do you also find that that you're a peacemaker with friends or with family or? I tried for a long time um, to be a peacemaker in general. I used to think I was going to grow up and do be like a social worker. Right. And I would meet you and I would immediately like you because I generally like everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I could make friends with a nail in the wall and we would have a grand conversation and I would know exactly what you're good at. I like to pick out and pay attention to what things are people are good at and what things they do and what qualities they bring, whether they think they have it or not, and then bring that to the table or feed that good thing. I used to think I could be someone who would sit in an office and help people find their perfect job. Mm -hmm. And because I, I, so when I have that skill or when I'm using that, and I like how you say reframing because that's exactly how I think about it. Right. And when I do that um, and you're bringing something to me and I know that I'm going to have to chop this up hard, I want you to know that I'm doing it because the, I want the end thing to be better and we're going to do that together. And so I don't want to just give feedback that's hard without also saying, well, what about this instead? Or, I, I think we shouldn't do this, and here's why. So that way, at least they have an understanding point. They don't have to agree with me, but there's a reason there, and maybe that would trigger them to think, well, if we did this, maybe 
that would address this. I walk around knowing I'm not unique and I could come up with an idea and 10 other people have it too. And um, I'm not special. And that's actually amazing because I'm just like everybody else around. And it's important to, I've run across the people in my life that got a little too excited about who they were mm-hmm. and lost track of who they should be. Right. And so I try to always remember that I am not unique. I don't even know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> because you're actually one of the most unique people that I've ever met. <laughs> whether you want whether you want to be that person or not, um, I really think that 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 you are for the reasons that I've already stated. I'm always glad when you're in the room because it's helpful to have that reframing when so much of what goes into IBD is emotionally volatile and everybody involved has strong opinions about what's going on and sometimes different ideas about what the direction that we're all going together should be and it's a little bit like herding cats having that reframing having that sometimes turning the conversation around a little bit can help us get there to what our ultimate goal is which is always what's best for patients this job that we have i'm so fortunate to be here for and I'm amazed and lucky every single time I get to do these things is because I am living in service of my community. Doing things of service, being a mother, being a good wife, being a good sister, you know, all the things I do that are really important to me, even going to school, I feel like I'm feeding myself so that I can be a better advocate and serve my community better. So I am happiest when I am being of service. And so it's that gratefulness that I walk around with. Mm -hmm. And I know that what I say will matter. And I'm just really excited to be able to affect a change for the positive going forward. And, And I can see the things that I work on happen in the real world. And the projects that we're working on together as a group and and how we're really giving patients a voice in the in in big big ways that five years ago wasn't a thing and so it's i i just am so excited for the future and who's coming next i it just walk around grateful and you can't help but be happy about that i agree with you completely there's a lot of times when i just sometimes look at it from the outside and think this is wild this is wild that it's finally happened that we're here at a medical meeting Mm -hmm. Um, we'll go to more this year and we we couldn't get halfway through the convention center floor (laughs) we were stopped three, four times. Yeah. And on, I was trying to get my way out and I was stopped a couple more times. <laughs> <laughs> uh, be- because other people are now um, 
feeling as though we have something useful to say and it's so humbling. They see the value of a patient's voice right. that's represented in a way that echoes how, the, and that's part of why you need a common person to speak for common people. Mm -hmm. I'm spe speaking for the average IBD person. Right. And it's, it's good that I'm not unique. <laughs> I'm glad I'm having this conversation with you. <laughs> oh my gosh. Because the way we see ourselves is so very different than the way other people see us. So it, it you know, it's, it's really, um, it's really eye opening. So thank you. Well, do you remember a time, you know, when I first figured out that you can make it without a colon? <laughs> <laughs> I was 17 years old mm -hmm. and I had just met my surgeon, a woman. Yeah. And she, they call her the lion. Mm -hmm. And I love that. Yeah. This woman does not mince words. I love that. Because I'm a straight shooter as well, yeah. which I hope people enjoy about me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a list. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to say, no. Yeah. Um, she drew on the sheet with on a pen. Sheet. On the sheet. And that was my information. Right. There was no computer back then. Yeah. There was no one that I knew back then. Right. And then at some point, there was a piece of paper folded in three with printing on both sides. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And on it was an old person. Yeah. <laughs> and I was 17. Yeah. A very young 17 because being sick, I wasn't able to do the things other people do. Right. And I remember finally going, looking at that sketch going, all right, I think we can do this. Because <laughs> I didn't have a choice otherwise. Yeah. And so it's like that was someone shoving me off and I was a bungee jumper. And yeah. you're either going to fly or you're not. Mm -hmm. And um, at 17, that's when I got pushed off and I flew. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it was her and her compassion to go, oh, this kid has no clue. Right. Well, why would you? There's, you had, I had no idea. You had no idea, and had no idea what was to, obviously had no idea what was to come or what could come. Actually, she built and rebuilt me. She took me yeah. apart and put me back together. And she is Doctor Frankenstein, and I am her beautiful monster <laughs> that she made. I literally would not be here mm -hmm. without her. A hundred percent. I agree. I feel the same about my surgeon. Yeah. I would be dead. Thanks for talking with me. I'm going to encourage you to, to um, publish more things. <laughs> I'm so awful at not pushing that publish button, but I it's have the difficult. work. I, I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am as well. I have a lot of things that are not that feel as though they're not ready for prime time, but probably almost everything that I have ever published that was personal, mm -hmm. I have felt that way about. And yeah. then usually there's someone that comes and tells me that they're 
glad that I did push the publish button. So I have some topics that are hot and they've been hot for years and it's a cyclical thing and I just need to push the button because I, because that topic is still relevant repeatedly. It's amazing how cyclical things are and it's also amazing how you see to your point about being not unique to see patients come through the disease journey and they start where you remember starting Mm -hmm. and then they hit the points that you hit along the way and sometimes it's upsetting that not much has changed but then sometimes it's also hopeful because a lot has changed oh yeah I'm so excited for the future. There's a lot coming. Just the fact that we're at this first brand new IBD focused meeting and there's another completely IBD focused meeting and to have a whole meeting around this one it's a common it's a common and a complicated condition but the fact that so many people come together to discuss it and thereby discussing us. Right. And what our needs and concerns are uh, is is really it's it it's very hopeful. I got approached by a lot of people. Can I email you? Can I email you? I right. want you to know what I want to know what you think about this. Right. What do you think about that? Can right. I run something by you? Right. Please run it by patients before you put it in the world. That would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're not we're not difficult to find. I don't think. I try not to be difficult. To I find. didn't have to hand out one business card. They already knew how to get to me. A lot of a lot of people <laughs> are like I, I was like, "Oh, it, you know, they they know my face," which is good because I feel really weird like posting selfies and things like that. Yeah. But clearly that's important because then when we come to things like this, mm-hmm. um folks know that they can come up to us and they know who we are and they can talk to us and we can help be the voice of the patient. Right. So, and I'd like to add that it's varied. I love how we're all different from different different parts of worlds. We've got city folk and country folk and Mm -hmm. uh, all the demographic, you know, Mm -hmm. demographics are covered. Mm -hmm. I like that the voices actually represent the community. Right. Because the voices are all, different and we all approach things slightly differently although a lot of the times we're very much aligned because we have the patient experience in mind and we know where that should go what's that little game where you put the little pegs in and it lights up and it makes a picture when they're all yes yeah Uh that's what we are we're a light bright yeah and we're pinpoints of light and if we all kind of stick together with our voice and we share this word picture that is our experience and knowing we are not unique and that our voices really do echo that of the community, we share honestly, not the my tummy hurts, but the honestly so that they actually get it. They're thirsty to know the real experience. We paint that for them. We're at a time in the world where the people that are doing the science that's going to make our future better care about that. That's amazing. That's a good place to end. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much. 
Thanks for wearing your festive pants for me. I'm wearing black pants with gold and flowers, and it's beautiful. I'm going to, like, take a picture of them or something because they're so <laughs> perfect. All right. Thanks, Christy. Thank you. Hey there, super listener. Thanks for making it to the end of the episode. I know you enjoyed listening to what Christy had to say. She really is a wealth of information and support. You can follow her on social media at Crony Baloney. And she spells baloney properly. That is B-O-L-O-G-N-A, like the song. You millennials might not know what that means. Look it up on the YouTubes and you'll find it. You can help me out by subscribing to the show on Apple Podcasts or Google Play or wherever you get your episodes. Special thanks to Christy Stone for being my willing guest. You can find all of her social media information in the show notes so you can follow her and say hey. And did you notice? It sounds a little bit different in here. That's because I have my very own theme music. Special thanks to Matt Cooney of Cooney Studio for creating it for me. If you've enjoyed listening, please do pass it along or follow me on social media and give me a shout. Because I want you to know more about IBD.